back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 135 today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the tidal forces and our solar system with Chris Cottrell. Uh, he's back. He uh, runs Dabbler's Den, which is a channel on YouTube. Go check him out. I have the links down below the video. And um, welcome back, Chris. How are you? Thanks, guys. It's good to be back. Uh, it's, it's been almost a year since uh, since we met up last time. And uh, there's been quite a bit in the uh, in the younger driest field that's uh, that's gone on since then. So nice, <laughs> it's good, to, good to catch back up with you guys. Awesome, yeah. I know. Um, I try and keep up. You know, I follow your channel. I try and keep up with you know, Cosmographia and the Brothers of the Serpent and all the different podcasts and stuff. But uh, right. why don't you give us a little bit of um, an update on what's happened since we had you on? Well, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. I've got a book here. Uh, title, I don't know if you can see it, it's titled Deadly Voyage, uh, The Ancient Common Strike That Changed the Earth and, hu- and Human History. Uh, this little book right here, it's, it's not very long. Uh, this has changed quite a bit in the uh, in that whole Younger Dryas field. Um, you know, you guys, the last time we talked, uh, I think we mentioned guys like Michael Shermer and Mark DeFont, mm-hmm. uh, who have been like longtime skeptics of this, you know, and they're, they're the ones that went on Joe Rogan and, uh, you know, had debates with, with, uh, Grant Hancock and Randall Carlson. And, um, you know, just in the past few weeks, you know, they've both come out in, I, I wouldn't quite say in support of the younger Dryas, but they have come out to say that, Hey, there's enough evidence here, uh, that we really need to start looking at it a little closer. And that's, you know, that's all we've been asking. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so do you think – I've got a question. So I, it seems like, you know, with you and like George Howard and everybody that's involved in pushing this um, – uh, there's another guy I follow on Twitter too who does this stuff. I think his name's Mark something. Um, and, yeah, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you guys have all been pushing for academia, but is it necessary – I mean, you don't you have a degree in geology and stuff? Is it necessary for those people to get on board or isn't – couldn't you just be – you know, the top dogs in this niche or what do you think needs to happen? Those are the guys that write the papers. You know, I, I don't, I have a master's degree in geoscience that I use for education. You know, I think we talked last time and, you know, I'm a high school science teacher. That's what I do. That's what I, you know, I enjoy taking complicated science topics and breaking it down, you know, so that a 17 an 18 year old kid can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what I've been trying to do with, with the channel, you know, and everything that has to do with the younger dries is just take those topics and break them down so that other people can understand them. So that's our, you know, that's my job, <laughs> but it's the guys that are in the scientific field, you know, the academic science community um, that are writing the papers. They, they don't care about us. They, 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 there are some that have no idea that there's this like underground movement trying to push the, uh, the uh, the younger dryas narrative, and um, you know, so to have people like Michael Shermer and, and Mark Defont to come out and and you know actually say that hey, they're building a really strong case for this. You know, we all need to start paying attention. 
um, that's just huge. You know, that's that's a really big push in the right direction. And uh, I, I don't think it'll be long. Once you ha- when you have a big time um, uh, a skeptic, you know, when you have a big time, all it takes is one. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a group of people that aren't quite sure, you know, all it takes is that one skeptic to skeptic to come out and say, you know, oh, no, 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 this is bunk. And everybody else is like, oh, yeah, OK, so we don't have to we don't have to waste our time on it anymore. And uh, so to have guys like that to come out and and actually come out, you know, and, and, you know, say what they said, uh, you know, that's just a big push in the right direction. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, And the other thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is so, I mean, you made a good point about uh, people not even really knowing what's going on. I was on Discord on a completely different subject. I think I was talking to somebody on like a psychedelic forum and he was a geologist right. and he was talking about, um, we were talking about this kind of stuff. He's like, yeah, I don't really know that much because he's something you either go into oil or you become like an academic um, is what kind of what he was getting at. And he was saying, you know, he was mentioning, and I said, well, what about this? And what about that? He's like, I'd have to look into it. But I'm like, there's a war on these topics going on and, and, most yeah. scientists don't even realize it. Um, and I think if some of them did, they would probably agree with some of the data and evidence. So, uh, but what do you think about um, that in terms of geology and geosciences and stuff like that? Is that true that some people either just go into like the oil industry or some, be, you know, become oh, teachers yeah. or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I actually spend uh, my summers um, over on Sapelo Island. The University of Georgia has a, a marine institute over there. Uh, and so I spend, you know, about two weeks of my summertime, um, helping out and communicating with PhD students that are working on their graduate degrees. Uh, and you know, they're so focused on those certain things, you know, the, whatever their topic happens to be, they're so focused on that, uh, that sometimes they just miss that big picture. Uh, and you know, we talked about this last time where, you know, being a generalist and that's, again, when I my job is to take complicated science topics and break them down. That makes me a generalist. That makes me a person that can kind of see the big picture, you know, take a little bit from this part over here and a little bit from this part uh, and and build that big picture and connect those dots um, that a lot of people just don't, you know, if if you're that focused and that, that centered on whatever your topic happens to be uh, in academia, then it goes right over, you know, they just miss it. And uh, so it, you know, it takes people like Mark Defont, who is, a geologist. He, he works for, I think, Central Florida University. He's a geologist. Uh, he's in academia, you know, and it's so to take guys like that yeah. to, to actually say, you know, whoa, 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 hey, they're building a really strong case. Let's take let's take a step back with this skepticism and actually give it a fair chance. And uh, that's like I said, that's all we've been asking. So, uh, you know, I think it's a it's a really big step in the right direction. Um, so since we, since we talked to yeah. um Graham Hancock's newest book came out, uh, America Before. A lot of it had to do with that. I mean, he talks about, you know, George Howard and uh, that, Mark. That had Fon- actually just come out uh, before we had our conversation. We actually talked about the book. I don't remember. Uh, I didn't go back and listen. I only listen when I edit sometimes, but. <laughs> guys gotta get, you got to get on the bandwagon, brother. Yeah. I mean, who is the dude that's sitting there listening to his own podcast uh, 100 hours a week? I'd like to know that person. <laughs> That's a nice well, all I'll say is that, you know, however many views I have on my YouTube channel, I'd say about 80% are just me checking it. So <laughs> same. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, yeah, we're all guilty. We want to know what's going on, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't sit there for, but yeah, you, now that you say that, that actually, that would make sense that that came out then. 
but uh but yeah all those we did uh, now that i i do remember actually us talking a little bit about that so um what other evidence has come up since then is there any besides the academics kind of getting on board is there any um i know there's been some craters but they don't really know what's going on yet yeah the stuff that came out i think one of the big pushes was the uh, abu herrera stuff mm-hmm. um i don't you, did you follow that a little bit? Uh, yeah, where they're picking up like a lot of proxies from those areas, um, and and I don't. George George Howard knows all. He actually went and, and helped dig on that site uh, a few years back, and so he's really big on that. Um, but you know, they did go back and because that that site's been being dug for you know. Well, I think it's I can't remember. I think that is uh it was damned i think it's underwater now mm-hmm. um but they were able to you know get enough collections back in the 70s that they were able to use that uh to check for proxies and they were like holy crap you know look at all the stuff that we're finding now um now that we know what to look for you know and so that's that's that was a big that was a big step too sure. um so, so that you know that's come out and and there's been papers left and right you know you got you, you just mentioned mark young he's been uh He's been the one kind of keeping that whole bibliography up to date, you know, on the cosmic tusk. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's constantly adding things, you know, every every few months there's something else that comes out that's in support of the Younger Dryas. And, and again, that's why Michael Shermer and Mark DeFont had, you know, kind of reevaluated things, which which I mean, that is huge. You know, these guys were big skeptics. Uh, and to have them come out who who have been publicly skeptic, you know, being publicly skeptics of the whole of the whole thing, right. uh, you know, they're finally saying, okay, yeah, the, the evidence is building and, and we're starting to see the picture now. So again, I, I <laughs> there's even good. people outside of geology that have been weighing in though. I know I saw some, there was some guy on Twitter, he was an academic and he was kept going after uh, a lot of the, you know, like the Graham Hancock stuff and uh, all that trying to, I forget his name, Hooper maybe, or Hoops, something oh, like that. Yeah. And he's so, not, I, think I, he's, I think he's an archaeologist. He's not even a geologist or anything. Yeah, from like the University of Kentucky or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Actually, listen, he's actually the guy who kind of oversees the Younger Dryas wiki page. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like the problem and it's like this guy is the one who helps maintain that site right and so he gets to pick and choose what's what gets you know submitted to that site and that is i mean if, if you can see the problem in peer review that's it right there the, the logic I'm not, familiar, I, I'm not familiar with that what's going on is that thing just a uh, mess or you'll have to you'll have to get mark on he he had <laughs> a long and drawn out twitter uh, uh twitter debate with him one day um but but yeah he's definitely against uh the younger drives being an impact related event uh and so anything that comes out that points in that direction he pushes it away from that wiki page because uh, it is a public page you know people submit things and and then you know they, there's somebody who goes along and decides whether it can stick or not and he's that guy for the younger drives wiki page and it's just like how does that happen yeah <laughs> so i know the uh I, I'm kind of a watcher too. If the watcher's listening, I don't know if he is. Uh, but I hope he is. I, I sent him a text and told him that we were we were going to be meeting tonight. Um, um, he's he, uh, he's he's awesome. He's yeah. like kind of the glue that keeps kind of he's got his hands in everything. I, he's very uh, appreciated on my end. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I you know I do the same kind of thing. I watch. I don't really if something's egregious towards what I'm doing or something. Yeah, I'll address it but i'm not on twitter to 
interact like that with people or anything like that, but I just watch what's going on. And yeah, um, yeah it's, <laughs> that one guy, though, it's interesting because the way he attacks people isn't even based on data and evidence. It's more along like, oh, Graham Hancock wrote a book about uh, the end of the world in 2012, and he keeps going back to that. He like keeps re repeating old stuff as if people don't evolve and grow and change yeah. their points of view Atlantis and things like that just because he knows that it's you know it's kind of on the other side of that pseudoscience thing and you know so they're, they're you know he's like oh what about this and what about that and it's not fair you know say so let the science I felt good about what i know as far as knowledge and philosophy and stuff like that based on what he was saying so and if he's an academic yeah. you know a real uh, turd <laughs> <laughs> yeah um all right so let's get to what we're here for now you yeah yeah in, in true dabblers fashion we'll talk about something that is completely unrelated to what we've just been talking about no it's good <laughs> to have a little banter before we get going but uh yeah. Yeah. so we're going to do the slideshow that you prepared you have done a video on this on your channel with some moving gifts and graphics and stuff like that so this one won't have all the moving bells and whistles but we'll have all the general data but if you want to watch the real thing you can go on to chris's channel dabbler's den and uh, check that out after we're done here so um so why don't you give us a little bit of background on what we're about to okay. be talking about here all right so the the background on this um you know it, it was last summer about this time of year um, there was a rash of tectonic activity all around the planet. Uh, you know, there were volcanic eruptions and earthquakes and things like that. And it just seemed to be, I don't know if you guys remember or not, but like, seemed like last summer there was something, you know, every few weeks, something big was happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I thought about that and, um, and then I kind of, it, it kind of went away. It wasn't something I really thought much, much more about. Uh, and then come December, uh, we started to see another rash of, of tectonic activity around the planet where it was just picking up. You know, we saw like a couple extra uh, volcanic eruptions. I have some examples there, like the, uh, the White Island, uh, which is actually recently in the news because some of the cruise passengers are suing Carnival or something because of uh, getting burned from that actual eruption. Uh, but that was back in December. Uh, Kilauea became much more active, even though it's been constantly erupting anyways, uh, became much more active. Um, however you say is a towel in, in the Philippines mm -hmm. that that erupted again in, in, uh, in January. And so I started noticing that there was this pattern, like every six months or so, uh, we saw an increase or we are seeing an increase, uh, in the tectonic activity. And so I started to do a little research on it. And, um, uh, I, I, I was wondering how, how, tectonic forces or, or tidal forces in the solar system could be affecting this. And I just, it was just a thought, you know, it was like, you know, I wonder, you know, where are, where are the planets right now? Why is this, why is this happening right now? Uh, and so I just happened, there's actually a website. We'll look at a few of these images uh, as we, as we go through this, because um, there's a website called uh, the planets today. Uh, and you can actually, anybody can go on there. You can look it up uh, and it will show you where we are, in relation to the other planets in the solar system and it just so happened that jupiter and saturn were really close to each other and uh and and i thought that was very peculiar and so that's what kind of set it off and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it but but um but yeah it was really because i, I started noticing this like six month pattern of recent recent tectonic activity occurring mm -hmm. uh, 
and then it would kind of go away and then it would come back. And so, so that's, that's what kind of, that's what kind of started it. Yeah. And actually I sent you, I tagged you in the super volcano episode we did, um, Couple, yeah. You know, yeah, and that's actually why I, why I you know it, it kind of fits in. It's not it's not quite related to what you guys are talking about with Yellowstone, right? Uh, but just the fact that you're interested in the tectonics, I thought was like, hey, let's let's talk about this because this yeah. could definitely play a part. Um, well, part and, of that though was because what it was happening. I think even you have so there the last one looks like um, January 2020 of this year. Um, I think it was March or April. There was 30 volcanoes erupting at the same time. Uh, there was a massive earthquake near uh, Yellowstone in Idaho that was like 6.5 or 6.7 yeah. or something like that. Um, people were tweeting all crazily, oh, Yellowstone's going to erupt, Yellowstone's going to erupt. So that got me thinking, like, well, what is a warning sign for this if it were to actually occur? And a lot of these are millions of years old or hundreds of thousands of years old. So, like, what do we know what's going on? So that interested me into look into it. And obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not a geologist or a scientist, but um, I can read data and Wikipedia and different resources. So I was able to put together you know, at least the mechanism for how some of these things operate. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah. So be like another little, you know, another little nail there in that, in that one. Cause, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that there are, there's a lot more going on geologically than we're quite aware of. And it's because we're part of a, a, a system that's much bigger. We're part of that, you know, the solar system is much bigger. And so all these little, all these little parts play their own role. Uh, and I think we're just now kind of starting to understand that. Um, and I've got some good examples, uh, and we'll get to them here in just a minute. So I don't want to kind of spoil it. Yeah. Yet, okay. But. I'll, I'll point out to <laughs> anybody that's listening to this on an audio platform, we are about to start a slideshow. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, check it out. Also check out Chris's and, um, yeah. And, uh, let's get going here. You want me to hit the next slide? Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's kind of the same. Uh, it's just an update um since since we talked like i said this the the presentation i made was back in january it was uh the end of january uh and again i was like well this uh, there's some stuff going on here let's let's take a look at it and i kind of made some bold predictions back in january and uh now i'm kind of following up on that and uh, we'll see where we're <laughs> to be honest i don't know where we're going to be with it you know right. but uh but we're definitely kind of approaching those predictions predictions that i was talking about and uh you know uh, again we'll talk about so this is um this is uh this is recent this is over the past week uh june 2020 uh if you're listening to this at a later date this is you know right now is june the end of june uh and if you'll notice um there's been a couple eruptions that have happened nothing really major nothing super big there was a big uh, volcanic eruption in indonesia a couple oh last week mm-hmm. uh and uh i think it's I'm going to murder these these volcano names, but I think it's Merape and uh, and Java. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a uh, a volcano, a Russian volcano that erupted that I think is part of the Aleutian Island chain, uh, and that was that was a little bit earlier in in June. But th- again, these are all within the past few weeks. Um, but it's the it's the volcanic. I'm sorry, the the earthquake activity that is that has occurred too uh, over the past few weeks that has really kind of caught my eye. Because remember, this is these tectonic forces aren't just volcanic eruptions. You know, we have a mix of earthquakes and, vol- and volcanoes. And I think that they're related to the tidal stresses um, that our planet are, is seeing right now. 
Um, but I was yeah, going to ask you had... too, real quick about the study. I think they were doing when everybody was on lockdown. Um, some geologists did a study and they found that there was, um, I forget if it was, I know this is going to sound stupid, but either more or less seismic activity because there isn't people all out and about driving and walking. And it made sense when I was reading the thing too. I'm like, that actually kind of makes sense. I didn't know if you saw, uh, that, that, uh, study. I, I did see the study and that's just another great example of how out of touch academia can be sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's so one-sided sometimes. Uh, but no, I, I really, w- once we get done today, I think you may have a better uh, idea of what, what's actually going on. Okay. Um, because this is kind of, like I said, this is all happening over six month periods. Um, and I'll explain why, but this is all happening over six month periods and we're kind of in the middle of one of these things right now. So mm. Um, anyway, so uh, on the slide right now, like I said, we've got a couple recent earthquakes, uh, uh, down in Mexico, there was a 7.4, anything seven and above is going to be, you know, that's, that's drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been a couple other just in the past week or so, some five, five point somethings, uh, earthquakes that have gone on in, in uh, Owens Valley. There was a big rock slide in California. I, again, this is nothing that that's not unheard of. I mean, these things happen all the time. We have earthquakes, we have volcanic eruptions and things like that. Uh, and, and I definitely don't want to come off as, you know, chicken little-ish here, um, you know, where the sky is falling, you know. <laughs> uh, but I do think that we're going to see an increase in volcanic activity. And, and the reason why that's important, and this has a lot to do with, um, uh, it's kind of how I can tie it into the Younger Dryas, uh, is because, what's that? No, he's, just, he's getting the callers. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's history shift text me. I, <laughs> if you're listening history, <laughs> stop texting. Yeah. He's on. Um, anyway, so um, so yeah, we. Uh, it doesn't take much to kind of to to affect the climate, and uh, you know I say this in my class all the time. You know, and you talked about this too in your uh, in your Yellowstone. Or no, I was actually after that. Um, the the guy you talked you were talking about last time your last episode uh, about how oh with uh, uh, arthur the uh the viking and norse mythology yeah, you guys you guys just were talking about you know super volcanoes having the ability to affect climate oh and you know drop and and it's not just super volcanoes i think when mount st helens erupted you know we saw a drop in global temperatures by like two degrees and i always say this in my class two degrees celsius uh and i always say this in my class you know well what would happen if we had like 10 of these you know, Mount St. Helen type eruptions happening at one time, you know, that could literally put us back into an ice age, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so, so it does kind of tie in to the whole climate of the earth conversation anyways. Um, So, so again, I, I I don't want to like come off as, you know, this is the end of the world kind of stuff. But I do think that we are going to see an increase uh, in tectonic activity over the, over the next couple, couple weeks. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so it's weeks, uh, not even months. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, serious, seriously. Uh-huh. Is, right. is it so? Well, is it we're, we're writing more, this down, baby? More active in the summertime. Then is this what you're saying? Well, let's go ahead. Uh, go go to the next slide, and, and we'll, we'll get into into the reasoning why here. Okay. Uh, so so the first thing I wanted to go ahead and talk about was what tidal forces are to begin with. You know, tidal forces. This is nothing new to our planet. Um, this has been going on for a long time. You know, we know that that gravitational masses can affect us here on planet earth 
And it happens daily. It happens every single day. You know, our, our closest gravitational mass is the moon, right? Right. Uh, and it's not that far away. It is a big chunk of stuff up there in the sky. Uh, and it's, it's the gravitational mass is, is pulling on us just as much as we're pulling on it and keeping it in, you know, in our orbit. Uh, but as it's pulling, as it's pulling, you know, mass from the earth, it actually can, can lift, um, stuff that's not quite connected to the planet, like ocean water. And so, so the, the gravitational pull from the moon actually lifts a bulge of ocean water towards it as the moon is moving around the planet. And it, you know, it takes the moon, um, you know, 30 some odd days to go all the way around the planet once, but the earth is also spinning underneath the moon, um, you know, 24 hours a day, you know, so it's, it's spinning all the time, but there's that constant pull from the moon. Uh, and that's what gives us our, our tides. And we actually have two tides a day where I live. I live in coastal Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have eight foot tides where you literally, if you go out at low tide and, uh, you know, you're, you're in knee deep mucky mud, uh, and eight, eight hours later, or I'm sorry, six hours later, you know, the water will be over your head. It'll be eight feet higher than it was six hours ago. And that happens twice a day. You have two high tides and two low tides every single day. Um, and that's just gravitational pull from the moon. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not even sure, like, because I know that the Great Lakes, you guys are up in Michigan area, you know, you're probably a little more familiar with the Great Lakes. They have tides, too. It's not quite as uh, dramatic as it is down here in, in the south. Some um, of the deep channels will get you. You have to be careful. Well, yeah, I, I know that I've got a couple pictures on this on this slide here of the Bay of, of Fundy or Funday. It's it's up in Nova Scotia, um, where where I mean those tides are super dramatic. I can't remember exactly how how big those tides are. Um, maybe we can get history shift to uh, to check on the tides of, of <laughs> the Bay of Fundy. Ooh, um, history shift, our go to guy. Th throwing some like loot around. We love you, history. <laughs> uh, but they're huge ties. They're huge ties. So we know that we have these gravitational pulls uh, from objects that are in our solar system. I mean, the, the moon is right there. It's in our solar system and it is pulling on us. It does cause an effect uh, on objects or masses on our planet. Um, so, so yeah, I mean that's that that's a proven thing. You know, it's not like we're we're making stuff up with that one, right? Um. Anyways, you you got any questions about just tides? It, it is kind of complicated. So, but the reason why all you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're all hurtling through space at like a corkscrew um, projection, right? Like we're obviously not still our solar system in space, so therefore mm -hmm. everything's in constant flux and motion and it's all being held together. And what you're saying is when the moon and the earth are pulling on each other, um, it creates this bulge where the force is. Is that what you're saying? And then it moves it or the tide around. Is that what's going on? Or well, the, the force is holding that bulge there. It's right. holding the, that's not directly connected to the planet towards it. Okay. You know, the, the ocean water is a fluid. So, you know, it, it's going to be affected by that gravitational pull. Um, and so as the earth is rotating under the moon, uh, the, and, and like, this is where, where some of the gifts kind of would have been, would have been beneficial because I, that gif actually shows the, right. the rotation of the earth. And not only did it show that, but it also shows uh, one full day of arc motion of the moon. 
um, you know, because remember, the, the moon is also moving around us at the same time that we're spinning. So right. there's a lot of different forces happening. Um, but bottom line is that, you know, we do have tech, or I'm sorry, we do have tidal forces from gravitational objects, uh, gravitational masses uh, in our solar system. And that's just a very basic one. Um, and it's not the only one either. If, if you click to the next slide, there's another gravitational mass that affects us uh, almost not quite as much, uh, but almost almost as equal. Uh, and that's the sun. Mm. You know, the sun is is much more massive than the moon, but it's also much farther away. Right. Um, so believe it or not, you know, the the gravitational pull from the sun, the gravita gravitational force from the sun affects our tides. It does pull the ocean water towards it. Uh, and we know this because as we're as we're spinning and the moon is going around us, um, anytime that we have a, a new moon or a full moon, those gravitational forces align and they strengthen. Uh, and so as at, you know, during a new moon, you can see in, in the pictures there, we have the, this huge gravitational uh, gravitational force, this huge mass of the, the sun. Uh, then we have the moon in between the Earth, and that's going to cause a, just a little bit of an extra tug, uh, you know, of, of the ocean water. And we do, we can measure that, you know, this is something that we can actually see uh, because we actually have spring tides during new moons and during full moons. Uh, and that's where, you know, if I, I mentioned here in coastal Georgia, we have eight foot tides. Well, during a couple days, you know, out of, out of the month, which, by the way, month that stands you know that's that's a moon phase that's a moon cycle the moon <laughs> uh but as the uh, as the uh you know there's a couple of days out of the month where uh those things line up and we get about an extra foot or so of of high tide and an extra foot or so of low tide and we call those spring tides we call that a spring tide where where there's just a little bit of an extra tug from the sun and the moon aligning where the high tide is just a little bit lower. I'm sorry, the high tide is just a little bit higher and the low tide is just a little bit lower. Uh, and, and again, we, we can measure that. We can see that. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm, I, I own a boat. I, you know, I go out boating all the time. I can tell anytime I go out during a high tide, you know, the, the currents are much faster, you know, when, when the tides change. And so there's all kinds of different ways that it affects us on our planet. Yeah, we grew up now, on the water, too. I mean, not on the ocean, but... Um yeah, it's interesting. I, my, my quick question is, so the moon just, or the sun just accentuates or embellishes what the moon's already doing? Is that kind of what I'm getting at here? Yeah, because because of the, the alignment of those gravitational masses. Okay. That's right. So, so every month we have two spring tides. Once when we have a new moon, it, that's when the, the, the moon is between us and the sun. And you can't see the moon. The moon is out during the day. We can't see it because it's, you know the the the, sh the bright side of the moon is facing the sun right uh and then on the other side you know 15 days later uh would be a full moon and that's because the moon is behind us or yes yeah, behind the earth uh so we have the sun the, the sun the earth and the moon uh giving us that that full big that that you know big bright full moon mm -hmm. uh, but again that just shows that we have an alignment going on there and and that can be measured and tested with those spring tides. Now, when it's half, or, I'm sorry, first quarter moons or third quarter moons, uh, where we only see half of the moon being you know illuminated, um, those are actually called neap tides, and those are the lowest high tides and the uh, 
you know, it's the lowest high tide and lowest low t- or the highest high tide. Um, so it's the, the, the less difference in, in the actual tides that, that are happening during that time. So there's this, this, there's, there's this weird tug of war between the moon and the sun, uh, that happens, you know, every month it happens it's like clockwork, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a cycle right. and it happens you know, every time we have a full moon, every time we have a, a first quarter moon, every time we have a, uh, you know, every phase uh, affects it that way. And who doesn't enjoy a nice extra tug from time to time? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so there's so there's a nice um, rhythm. It, you know, that's the way I would describe it is uh, with our solar system and just everything working within it is just a rhythm. And we're really used to that rhythm. Um, yeah. But these little slight variants obviously affect us probably more than we know, too. Yes, yes. And that's... And that's where I think, you know, for when, when we learn about this stuff and we talk about this stuff, you know, it's usually the moon. Yes, the sun affects us a couple times a month, too. Uh, and then that's that's kind of it. Uh, but I think, like I said, I think there's more going on. You know, we're part of a bigger system than just those three things. And uh, we really should be paying more attention to what's going on in the rest of the solar system. Um, and go ahead and click the next slide and we'll we'll, we'll see what where we're at there okay uh well first of all you know the the oceans aren't the only fluid spheres that we have on the earth right Mm -hmm. you know we have these 70 percent of the planet is covered in ocean water so that's going to be affected greatly by this gravitational pull from the moon and from the sun Um, but it's not the only fluid sphere that we have it's not the only fluid masses that we have on planet earth as a matter of fact most of the internal part of our planet is a fluid, you know, it's molten magma and, and you know, melted rock. And, uh, and so, you know, why would we think that that's not being affected by these gravitational tugs and these gravitational right. pulls, you know, from the, you know, from the moon even, uh, we'll talk later on because I, you know, and there's some good, there are some good papers out there um, that, that kind of tie the moon tides with, volcanic eruptions mm-hmm. um and it's something that i noticed over the past year of looking at this stuff uh was that yeah normally when we have a big eruption it's going to be during a full moon and a new moon so you think maybe um, that the moon is pulling the gravity's pulling the magma up or something along those lines or yeah or if anything it's just fluxing it you know it, it's causing changes is it's right. not i didn't mean not, pull but i mean yeah like crustal kind of you know more of the separation on, on fault lines or that kind of stuff which caused earthquakes and then more you can uh, see in that picture there how thin the crust actually is yeah it's crazy um, and to kind of tie it in with your yellowstone you know that's what's going on there is you have a a part of the mantle uh which is you know the mantle isn't really connected to the lithosphere it's it's its own it's its own part in the structure of the planet uh and and so we have the crust and then we have the asthenosphere uh, which is part of what we call the lithosphere, um, but it's it's hotspots are created when you have a a very active part of the mantle, and it's actually melting the lithospheric crust above it, mm. uh, causing those big supervolcanoes like Hawaii or the hotspot volcanoes like Hawaii or Yellowstone. Um, but it just goes to show how thin the crust is, right? You know, because the that's what volcanoes are. It's when the the crust melts. You know, that lithospheric. Right melts it's not really mantle material popping out of the 
you know, popping out of the crust, it's actually melted lithospheric material that's that's causing these these things to happen. But but anyways, yeah, it, it's you know, there's a lot more liquid mantle material than there is, you know, solid crustal material. And so, you know, we they are affected by tidal forces as well. I have, um, a, I have a question. So how do we know, though, as far as what the layers are, how large they are? Obviously, you can use geometry and math to kind of deduct based on things we know for sure and core samples and everything. But then don't, haven't we only gotten down yeah. to 300 feet or something like that? I have a feeling that there's uh, there's a couple really good secrets down there that we that we haven't quite uh, dug out yet. Because, uh, yeah, we've only dug, you know, our deepest mines have only scratched the surface of the crust. Um, one of the things that they do um, is um, subsonic um, – I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, it, it has to do with the seismic waves and how, how they can penetrate certain certain materials. Like some of them can only go through solid materials. Some of them bounce back off of liquid materials. Um, and I can't remember – I can't believe I can't remember the name of that right now. Um, but that's one way that they, that they do it. They actually, you know, send in uh, – energy into the planet and and they're able to measure back you know what they get back they can deduct what's underneath them um i'll have to send you some more information on that later though i can't remember yeah, exactly i was talking what. to that same geologist i mentioned earlier and they were saying oh they know they figured it out i'm like well how what did yeah. they use like point me to and there there was no information so that's why yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like i wish I, I could pull it up right now but that's kind of deters from what we're talking about but yeah it definitely um that we have a good idea we have a good idea but you're right we've never been there we've never actually dug down deep enough to to get into the mantle or the core um you know a lot of the the the, the core is you know has supposedly has to do, do with our um our uh, magnetic field you right. know where you have like a solid iron nickel core and we have to have this this molten core around it to give us that magnetic that magnetic field again that's beyond my pay grade so <laughs> but uh, <laughs> hey i mean it's fun to speculate here and there though on certain things yeah for sure yeah, I, like I, said, I have a feeling that there's a few surprises down there that we haven't even thought of yet so oh, i'm sure to say that we know everything for certain again it just comes back to the same thing with everything the, the minute yeah. you say this is how it is 10 years from now you're going to be wrong 20 yeah, years 100 years it's going to be wrong that's yeah, what I was that's just talking right. about with my brother today. It's like a hundred years ago, the science was one thing, and then a hundred years from now, it'll be a completely different thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, anyways, all right, let's let's go on to the next one. Let's uh, see. All right. So this would be one of those moving gifts, and it would show the way that the planets yeah, rotate around the sun. I looked at changing this one, anyways. Um, it's just, um, all, all I'm talking about here is that we have other gravitational masses in the solar system that we should be considering. Um, you know, for, you can see in the, in the picture right there and in, in the picture, it just shows the different planets and, and how massive they are. And it, it always cracks me up where we, our units of measurement, um, they really only apply to us on earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but if you look at earth, it, it's like one, uh, one Earth mass, and we kind of look at everything else in the solar system based on one Earth mass. Right. Uh, but but it does kind of does kind of help us a little bit because we can actually see how much more massive planets like Jupiter and Saturn are compared to all the other planets. You know, and we have yeah, you know the inner that. planets are tiny; they're like little pebbles that are floating around the sun. Uh, and then we have these like giant, massive gas planets like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. 
Um, but that picture shows you how much more massive Jupiter and Saturn are compared to everything else in the solar system. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the things that I wanted to look at. I wanted to see where those masses are in our solar system when we are having these increases in tectonic activity. And that's what surprised me. And if you go to the next slide, well, you'll see it a little bit better. Okay. And didn't they find out, didn't they always think Jupiter shielded us from uh, yeah. asteroids and comets, but now they realize that it might be hurling them at us or something? I read an article about that like a year ago. Yeah, it could do both. They could do both. Um, you know, it definitely protects us more because it is such a massive planet. Right. You know, the, again, I, I don't know why this would be so foreign because, you know, we talk about the massiveness and how much gravity Jupiter has. Uh, and, you know, it can literally, you like like we saw with Shoemaker-Levy, you know, it could literally pull, you know, comet chunks right into it. Um, and, uh, and this happens all the time, right? You know, this is, this is a big gravitational mass. It actually, uh, there are moons around Jupiter that are so tidally affected by, by the mass of Jupiter that they crack and they spill out magma and stuff like that all the time. Wow. And, and yeah, I can't remember which ones. I think Jupiter has like 20 moons or something like that. And so, um, you know, some of them, they just get flux over and over and over again. And, and it's just because of that, that gravitational pull that, that, um, you know, that, that tidal, it's actually called tidal forces, you know, it's the tidal forces right. between the moon and that planet and just cracks them and breaks them and they reform all the time. I think they, th- um, one of them has water or ice on them too. I think there's a Titan or one of them. Can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Titan is a, is a Saturn. It's a moon of Saturn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Europa, that's the one that, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other ones on Jupiter. Io we're looking at. Um, there's, some, there's some really cool things going on. There. I think we're going to find some really neat things once we actually get out there and, and deep dive into some of those moons. There's some really cool stuff going on around those planets. I heard a theory one time, and, and I don't know how much truth this is, but uh, Jupiter uh, almost became a second sun, and we would have been a binary solar system mm-hmm. with uh, with two two suns. I, I Don't quote me on that. You know, I know I'm... Oh, on you're on, you're on. We're going to hold you. You're on record. Yeah, yeah. This is on yeah. No, I've uh, heard that too. Like Planet X or Planet 10 or 9 now or whatever, if Pluto is or isn't, you never know. Yeah. But something's pulling yeah. on the orbit of Neptune and Uranus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's something going on there. Um, and that's actually how they first discovered Pluto because they there was something going on with Neptune and they, they took a look and Hey, there's something and it ended up being Pluto. Mm -hmm. Um, but you'll see here, as a matter of fact, I have people ask me all the time, uh, with the planets today.com, there's a couple other planetary bodies out there, uh, around Pluto, um, that I don't even know the names of them, but they, um, they're about the same size as Pluto. And if we counted Pluto as a planet, we'd have to count all of them. Mm -hmm. And there's like hundreds of them. Uh, so makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we had to kind of we had to kind of get rid of Pluto. So I know we're all upset, but <laughs> anyhow, um, so so this was the, the the image that you see here is showing back in January when I first had you know this this thought like well where are these things at because this is definitely something going on and I, like I said it was actually last summer where I first thought about it and then I wanted to double check it once everything started popping off again in, in December. Uh, in January, and sure enough, if you if you see that image there from theplanetstoday.com, you know look how close Jupiter and Saturn are uh, in relationship to the Earth and the Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we use that same 
analogy of spring tides and neap tides as we do with the earth, the moon, and the sun, you know, we can look at that and, and this almost puts us right into what would be considered a spring tide for, you know, tidal forces in our solar system, uh, where we have the earth, then we have the huge gravitational mass of the sun, and then directly across, we have Jupiter and Saturn. And, uh, and, and it, I think it has a lot to do with those two planets being so close to each other, where it kind of magnifies that gravitational force, uh, and why it becomes an important factor in, in what we're talking about, because I think it's those two planets in relationship to each other that gives it just that little bit of extra tug mm. that cause a little bit of extra tectonic activity. Um, and, and, you know, again, we're in it right now. We are right in the middle of this, this happening right now. This is back in January in that picture right there. Uh, it is important to, to, to note though, that, that planets don't move around the sun at the same rate. Uh, you know, it takes us 365 days to go around the sun. Uh, and, uh, planets like Saturn take 30 years, mm. you know, one year on uh, one year for Saturn takes is 30 earth years. Um, and, uh, same thing with Jupiter, Jupiter's 12 years. So it takes 12, you know, Jupiter, 12 earth years to go all the way around the sun once. Uh, and so that kind of sets up this pattern where, where we have Jupiter and Saturn close to each other and earth is being affected by that. And then they move farther away from each other. And then it's not quite that big of a deal. And then they come back together on the other side of the solar system. And then we see this again. And so, so, you know, it sets up this predictable pattern of these tidal forces in our solar system uh and if if you click on the next slide we'll actually see where we are today oh wow <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, okay. i was telling you because we were texting back and forth and i saw some meme on i think instagram and it was saying the last time this planet was in this alignment and this planet was in this line was like 500 years. One was 300 years. And the last time those were in those positions, there was like the French revolution, the black yeah, plague, yeah. you know, all these weird things. I'm not, I'm not saying anything in particular, but I'll, I'm I, just, I just find it weird that that's the case. And it, here we are. And I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's that weird. I think that, um, that, you know, these things happen and we're just not very aware of it. And, and it causes, you know, conditions to change. And, uh, and so, so anyway, so what we see in the picture right here is actually showing, uh, you know, almost all of the planets in the solar system bunched together <laughs> on this side of the sun, you know, yeah. this side of the sun, this side of the, you know, this time of year, uh, if you actually, see, <laughs> this is today, guys, this is right now. Mm. Uh, you see, and again, if you, if you're listening to this later, this is June 28th of 2020, I feel it. <laughs> you know, we've got Mercury and Venus, then we have earth. Now keep in mind that right now we're in a neap tide as far, you know, we're in a first quarter moon phase, um, which remember the moon is the closest gravitational object and it affects us probably the most. Uh, but it's actually perpendicular to the sun and those other planets and stuff like that. So we're actually kind of in like a, you know, let's take a breather phase. Uh, but then right beyond that, uh, you'll see Mars is a little bit out of it. Um, and then you, but then you have Jupiter and Saturn back to back. Uh, and that really sets up this like alignment of planets. And, you know, I can, I can remember growing up and, and, you know, hearing some woo stuff, you know, about, oh, when the planets align, this this kind of right. stuff happened. And I can't believe that, like, in 2020, I'm actually looking at this. And I'm like, holy craps. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, vibration this. and gravity, I don't think those two things are given enough uh, 
no given enough uh effort and attention no no so so anyways this is today um i really do think and and this i i mentioned this to this you uh earlier uh mike i I hope I'm wrong. This is one of those those times where I've put in the research and I just hope I'm wrong. <laughs> like, I hope this isn't actually going to to pan out and that we make it through to October unscathed. <laughs> right. So <laughs> when's really, this window, though? Like, how long is the window, do you think? Well, go to the next slide. Go oh, to the next slide. All right, all right. Yeah, the next slide. Um, you know, the June, what's that? Go back one. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay. Real quick, um, yeah, we can put a marker on that and go back. This up. I put this slide in there. This is this takes us back to June twenty first. Uh, this is just a few days ago. Now, if you recall, um, the second slide that I had well, on this Oaxaca, uh, the earthquake. Yeah, the 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 volcanic eruptions and those earthquakes that occurred just in the past, you know, seven eight days, um, occurred right around that that new moon phase. Uh, and so I think that's going to be super important. Again, it's the, again, it's the closest gravitational object that we have to us, uh, which probably affects us the most. Uh, and, and right now we're in like that neat phase right now. We're in that, that first quarter where it's perpendicular and it's kind of leveling things out, but now go to the next slide and, uh, we'll be in a full moon just in time for, there we go. Yeah, we'll be in a full moon just in time for the 4th of July. The real fireworks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. baby. Just and it's actually I think the official full moon date is July 5th, but I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't pass up the uh, the fireworks. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh no, if you see that again, this is in just a few days, you know, in next next week and a half or something like that. Um we'll see that we will be in a full moon where we still have that that alignment between the sun um, Venus, you know, Venus is close enough to, to affect us a little bit. And I think that's important. Um, and then you have the earth, the moon, uh, you know, Jupiter and Saturn, those big giant gas planets all in that line, uh, all aligned. And, uh, I think we'll see like an, a little bit of extra strain, a little bit of extra pull. Uh, and we could quite possibly see some pretty serious er eruptions or earthquakes taking place those days that, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that the earth is going to split in half and, and Yellowstone is going to bubble up and blow up and things like that. Uh, but I do think we'll see an increase in volcanic activity. Uh, and it, it could be, you know, it could be a problem. And so if it's, if it's true, then this is definitely something that's predictable <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. and we should definitely plan for it. You know, this is the thing that really, really bothers me right now is all of the stuff that's going on. Um, you know, I don't even want to say the name. I don't want to flag you, you know, on, on YouTube. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but all this <laughs> going on right now is, is causing issues. And if something like this were to happen where we had a couple of major, major volcanic eruptions or major earthquakes and, and some, you know, capital cities or something like that, then it could be a big problem. Um, and so, yeah, so, history uh, shift uh, is asking um, if the planets all align, uh, would this create a pull on, on magma? So that's kind of a question going back to what I asked you earlier Would that. Um, and if, if that's the case, if it does pull um, the magma, I don't know. I'm going to expound on that. Did you read the, the recent article on super volcanoes in Southern Idaho and how they're using um, paleo uh, magnetics to figure out that when the iron was ejected, it, it 
rests towards true north. So mm. if there's a bunch of iron wherever it is, would that have more of an effect from the pole since or no? Um, no, you know, usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the the iron in the basaltic rock is what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it because it's magma, because it's fluid, the iron aligns itself to the magnetic poles. It actually aligns itself to north right. and south. And that's that's one reason why we can actually map like the um, uh, the mid mid Atlantic Ridge and and moving away on both sides of that. And we can map it's because as that magma is bubbling up and it, and it solidifies, all those iron filaments and fragments are lining up with with whatever happens to be north hmm. at that time. So is that is that what you were talking about? Yeah. Well, I was just saying with that, if there was more, um, well. If there was more of a magnetic pull because of the conditions, would it? No, if, no that wouldn't have any effect on what what, what the substance is under the hot spot or whatever. Um. Yeah. I don't. I'm not real sure. You know. I. I I'm not exactly sure. You know. I don't think anybody knows exactly exactly what drives hot spots. Right. Um. I. I think it probably has a lot to do with convective currents in the mantle. Okay. Uh, and again, it's just an area where it kind of gets raw. You know, sure. kind of like a. <laughs> you know, it's it, getting it, chafed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whoa, bro. Stays that- <laughs> <laughs> and it stays that way for a long time. You know, if you look at uh, like Google Earth and just look at Hawaii, which is you know a very well-known hotspot, that thing has been erupting in the same spot for a billion years. I I don't know how you can actually follow those islands all the way back until they get subducted under the Aleutian Island chain. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. So this has been going on for a really, really, really long time. Uh, and same thing with Yellowstone. You know, Yellowstone. You know, would you say there's like t- is there 12? There's like three major eruptions, but yeah. there's evidence of like 12 of them or something like that. Well, yeah, the most recent one wasn't even explosive. It was like 170,000 years ago, and it was just a basaltic flow, similar to what you would probably see on the Hawaiian Islands. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's that we'd be lucky if that were to happen. <laughs> yeah, but I think History Shift was just asking because he's nervous because the hotspot started in uh, southern <laughs> Oregon and it worked its way. It's going straight <laughs> up towards History Shift. People are starting to get worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah like I pointed out yesterday, he's actually moving towards it. It's, it's his that's fault. right. That's right. <laughs> he's the one. It's the crust moving over the hot spot. Yeah, that's the, the craziest way. thing about all of this is just all the moving parts. It's it's like a yeah. gyroscope within a gyroscope within a you know it's yeah. all these different things happening at once. And, and we're really just starting to understand it. You know, I think we we talked last time about um, you know the plate tectonics the theory of plate tectonics wasn't accepted until like the the mid 60s late late 60s you know that's not that's in our parents lifetime you know that's not that long ago uh and so we're just i mean we're just scratching the surface there's so much that we could still learn about it um you know i definitely don't want and just like what i'm talking about here you know these are connecting some dots that most people haven't connected and uh and and it should be looked at it should be looked at so yeah I, i think yeah, you know, what history has shift was saying, you know, definitely the time, you know, I think that those gravitational masses can affect magma. Uh, and it's the actual, like I said, I think it's like the, the, the breaking point almost where just that little bit of extra tug causes, mm-hmm. causes, you know, an earthquake or causes the magma to shift or, you know, something happens uh, just from that little bit of extra tug. Uh, and that's why when we start seeing some, you know, some, differences or some eruptions and again i'm not trying to say that you know these are the only times that volcanoes erupted the only times that earthquakes happen because we know that that's not true 
Uh, but I do think that we will see an increase over the next month uh, in some some pretty serious, uh, possibly, I don't think you said, I, <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but I think we could possibly see a, a major a major event uh, in, in, Jan- in July. How accepted is the uh, this kind of an idea within geology or academia in terms of, is this something that's even thought about? Is this something that, um, or there, no? there are some papers. If, if, if you go to, um, if you go to the, the presentation I have on this on YouTube, um, I have in, in the description area, I have some links for papers and things like that, that, that discuss this. Um, but really what they're looking at mostly are the gravitational attractions between the moon. Mm. Um, they're looking at moon phases and making those connections between that. Um, I, th- I'm trying to say that this goes much deeper than that. Uh, and it's a solar system, sure. you know, the solar system. Line. And, and, you know, I, I also think that this has a lot to do with the sunspot activity that we have on our, on the sun right now. We're, we're right now we're in a solar minimum. Um, and, and we go into these solar minimums you know, every 11 years, or there's an 11 year cycle, right? So, so we go from, from, a, uh, you know, the solar maximum to a minimum in 11 years. Well, if you double that, you know, so you go from solar minimum to solar minimum, it's about 20 years. And, and when we actually start looking at these planetary alignments, well, guess what happens every 20 years? Right. <laughs> Jupiter and Saturn line up. Right. <laughs> And and that's uh, you know I I looked at it earlier today. We'll look at a couple examples here in a little bit. But um, you know if if this is 2020 2021, you know back up 20 years. That's the year 2000. There was quite a bit of major volcanic activity, major tectonic activity uh, back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Back up another 20 years. You know what major event happens in 1980? Right. Oh, the um, uh, Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens. Up to the 1980, right? You back that up to 1960, you know, and then there was, I, I just kind of experimented and went back in time using theplanetstoday.com and just kind of looked to see what dates we were whenever these things lined up. Right. And, uh, and just would Google, you know, what I would just Google what, um, you know, volcanic, you know, what volcano erupted that year. And every time they brought up this stuff, you know, it brought up different major volcanoes. I went all the way back to, I went all the way back to um, the 1700s, you know, and then I would type in a date like volcanic volcanic eruption this date, and it would come up with like, you know, the chaos eruption, or it would come up with the uh, oh, I can't remember. There was one in in uh, like 1862, which is like a day of terrors called. It. it was a volcanic eruption that occurred, or not a. It was an earthquake that occurred in California right as they were colonizing mm-hmm. and stuff. So right. So yeah. we and you mentioned the mechanism, or we talked about the mechanism behind. Uh, the super volcano being the hot spot and it just melting like a thinner part of the crust or something more vulnerable than whatever material it's made out of. Um, but when you look at what's going on here, is do academics see it as like more of a chaotic process or like something that's not really they're able to keep mm-hmm. track of? Is that how it's kind of viewed or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. You know, they, uh, we'll talk about an example here in a few minutes. And, um, you know, there, there's been a rash of activity in a certain part of the world over the past few days, really in the fa- past few weeks. And I read an article before we came on where, you know, they were like, well, it's, it's, it'll probably just die down. It's, it's not a big, this is coming from a, you know, from a volcanologist, you know, saying, eh, it's not that big a deal. It'll, it'll probably calm down. 
I'm like, man, I don't know, man. So we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes because I, 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 okay. I do think that there's a disconnect and, uh, and there, there's, you know, they don't want to tie in the cosmos to planetary, you know, tectonic activities. And, uh, they really, we should really be paying attention. We should really so be paying attention. do you think it's, cause so like, Oh, for just for an example, like evolutionary biology, you see most people gravitate towards the phenomenology of it as opposed to the mechanism or like the minutia to figure out what's going on. So you're saying maybe should, even though that's what maybe they're looking at in geology right now to figure these things out, maybe we should be looking at it from more of a phenomenology standpoint, kind of reversed in that regard. Uh, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's a good point that you brought up because uh, what we're talking about right now is actually tied in to evolution. Uh, right. And, and, well, and I say that because we would not be here today if it wasn't for the moon and the tides, uh, you know, that we're talking about, these tidal forces between the moon and the earth and specifically the oceans. Uh, Hydro- because Hydrothermal vents. Yeah, because, you know, we, well, that, that's where all life started, right? You know, we right. have these, we have life starting in the oceans, but if there was no reason to get out of the ocean and survive, we wouldn't have evolved into what we are today, or any any land animals wouldn't have evolved into what we are today because it's it's the tides. It was the tides that that caused organisms to become stranded when the tide went out uh, to form you know evolutionary advantages or to have evolutionary advantages that could cause them to survive, to breed, and to pass on their their genetics onto the next generation. And a great example of that is you know just organisms forming shells. Uh, you know, that there would be no reason for an organism to form a shell, uh, you know, like a clam or an oyster or anything like that, if we didn't have tides. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the moon is super important for, you know, evolutionary life on our planet uh, to even have have taken the course that it has. Um, so it is it does all tie in together. I don't, I don't know if that was what you were talking about, but yeah, I did, yeah. Find, that, <laughs> I did find it interesting. <laughs> uh yeah that, that's actually that answered my question Thank yeah you. all right so anyways june july 4th um i think we really and, and i'm not just saying like specifically on july 4th I, I expect to see something happen that day um but around that's why i have that like little squiggly line there you know around that time um an estimated time where where we're gonna see just a, that little extra tug of of gravity from these planets out of a line that could cause a a tectonic activity, a volcanic eruption, and an earthquake uh, to occur. Um, go ahead and click to the next slide because it's not just now, but that we have to be concerned with. Uh, but I mentioned earlier, uh, history, yeah. So history shift real quick. What wanted to know about a possible pull flip, and if that completely takes us out of this, we'll put a pin in that to the end. Yeah, well, the the I don't think pole flips really affect us that much. Um, they would affect us, like our civilization, because we've you know become so used to you know GPS navigation and things like that. I don't think pole shifts are really that serious as far as life is concerned mm-hmm. uh, on the planet. So it's not really something that I think we. Sh- but they know the pole is moving. I, I have been following that. Yeah, but it hasn't been. It doesn't affect us. It's not something that right. Right super concerned with um and now there there are some you know obviously um i know there's a lot of people out there talking about the ionosphere and and you know when the poles shift all of a sudden we don't have this 
this um you know protective shield from from rays from the sun and so things like that but but yeah, I don't think that's if that, yeah. If that it. happens, we're screwed. There's nothing you're gonna do anyway. So I don't think I don't even think that's true. I, I like I said, life moves on. I, I don't think it's. So you think we just I, maybe evolve some sort of UV protecting mechanism within ourselves? Probably already have. That's the yeah. But, here. I, but if if we didn't have that, how how much do you think that that would affect? I don't. I really don't know. We, I mean, we might see some cool like auroras and stuff. I, I really don't know. That I, would be I awesome. Northern really? daylights. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> go go back one slide real okay. quick because we weren't quite talking about uh, July. All right. Yeah, yeah. So so we have a full moon coming on the fourth. Um, if you look, if we if we go fast forward, like you know, a few fifteen days or whatever, um, half a month, month, uh, it, it brings us up to July twentieth, uh, and that's going to be a new moon. Um, and you can see here we're even more aligned now with uh, with Jupiter and Saturn and the Sun. Uh, and so I do think that this is going to be, you know, a month long, you know, thing that that we might see. Um, and again, it's not just now. Remember, I started off by saying that I, I notice this happening like every six months uh, where, you know, there's a rash of, of activity in, in the summertime. And then it happened again in December and January. So go ahead and click the next side. That takes us to to next winter, six months from now. And we're still in this like gravitational alignment where we have, you know, now we're on the other side of the solar system, but it's it's still that spring tide, um, you know, spring tide alignment where we have the Earth, the Moon, the Sun, and those two planets there. So we're kind of stuck in this for a few years. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and every six months we see like we'll probably see an increase in activity, and then it'll die down, and then it'll come back and. Uh, and then eventually it'll kind of come down where we're just kind of back into normal, you know, normal rotation for about 20 years. And then, and then we see it again. I obviously, I obviously think that there's more to it. Uh, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago that I think that, uh, solar activity has a lot to do with this. Um, you, you know, and there's, there's all kinds of theories that, you know, about why we're in a solar minimum right now. Why, why are there no sunspots? Uh, and I think it has to do with the, the alignment of the planets and and where they are and the gravitational pulls that kind of calm down the sun uh and it's not until jupiter and saturn get far enough away from each other where that cycle picks back up and we have a bunch of sunspots when now they're in tug of war with each other mm. uh and then they come back together we go back into a solar minimum now i don't know and i, I should research this a little bit more but i don't know why this is a a grand solar minimum uh and and that might be an important part of this there might be more to it that mm-hmm. <laughs> could make this more dramatic i don't know yeah absolutely. <laughs> so now, you know do we know though why the sun's the or the hot spots move um or what causes them to move around or um you said it's obviously us are they stationary and we're the crust yes. is just moving over it Yep, 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 yep. The the hot spots don't move. It's the crust moving over the hot spots. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's that's an so important. That's the centimeter per year. That's why it's taken so long of time for. Um, even mm-hmm. though it's moved from southern Washington, the Yellowstone hotspot from southern Washington to uh, the corner of Wyoming, it's actually the crust moving over the hot spot towards where Oregon is. Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, now, why those hotspots are there? Like I said, that's still 
that's still anybody's guess. I'm not exactly sure on why that is. Could it be like a missing um, part of the um, uh, the what you might call it, like the outer core, or something where there's like a missing gap of material there, something like that? Yeah, I've heard of that too. Um, like I said, there's a couple hypotheses. Um, I I kind of lean more towards the fact, you know, that, that there's like some kind of convection current that causes that to be again, like I said, like kind of raw, like it's just kind of like heating it up in that area. Again, I don't know why that would last for millions and millions and millions of years. Right. Uh, I, and again, I, I've heard of people say that they could be impacts, you know, and then at one time there was a big punch right to the planet and, and that's what caused that raw spot, you know? And so that makes sense um, too. Yeah. And again, I don't think there's enough and then the, the crust moves, you know, the, through plate tectonics. So, all that evidence would move with it and get subducted later on. And so anything that would have given us a clue to that is, you know, sucked under like for Hawaii, for instance, it'd be, it'd be underneath the Aleutian islands turned back into magma, mm. uh, you know, and that's, that's just how, you know, how plate tectonics works. It's just, right. it's recycling that material all the time. So I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, you know, again, those hot spots are really kind of, they're, they're really cool. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Yellowstone and, and uh, you know, it's really cool to, Cool, cool to see that. Um, I know I want to really get out to Yellowstone before this whole thing goes under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, let's see. Click to the next slide. I think we're going to wrap it up soon. Yeah, we're on slide thirteen out of fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I'm going to take it one step further. Um, you know, uh, if if I'm already gone gone on the edge here to to kind of make a prediction back in January that we're going to see some stuff go down and. and june i might as well take it one step further and then i really think that we're going to see uh, a pretty major eruption um in the iceland area um it, like i said i'm really kind of going out on the on the ledge here but there there has been quite a bit of, of tectonic activity over the past few days over the past month mm-hmm. uh, if, if you look on i have a, i'm not even going to attempt to say these names of volcanoes that are nice yeah I, i'm pretty good with names and i don't even want to attempt those <laughs> No, no, no. Um, but uh, if you look in those, those graphs on the bottom, the, the one that's on the left shows us um, seismic activity over the past years, or, um, over the past six months. So it goes back to uh, January. Wow, it's really heating up at the end there. Uh, yeah, you can see how like back in January we had a bunch of activity and then, you know, you were talking, um, you know, where we had, you know, in March we had some activity. Uh, and then it kind of died down and it stayed kind of level until we hit, you know, June. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think this has to do with those gravitational alignments of, of those planets getting closer together uh, and us getting closer together to being aligned with them. Uh, and so the, the chart on the on the right uh, is really just in the past 30 days. This is just uh, this month. And uh, we had a whole bunch of activity. And if you notice the date there. That was June. What's that? Was it twenty first? Mm. So I can't see it. It's yeah, I can't. It's small. very faint. I can't see it. Either. I want to say that this is over the past week, and so we have like June twenty first, which was the the most recent new moon. We had a big rash of volcanic, uh, not volcanic, but there were earthquakes, really minor earthquakes and tremors and things like that. Each one of those circles represents a tremor or an earthquake. Mm. um and and so we have you can see there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. i think i saw a, an article that said there's like three thousand like little tremors and earthquakes in iceland over the past month um that's a lot right, <laughs> there's something right. there underneath that 
And then it kind of, you can see it kind of tapering off, but that was during the time where the moon was more perpendicular to the earth and the sun. Uh, and so I think that as we now, as we get into the full moon phase on, you know, um, July 4th, uh, we're going to start to see an increase uh, in, in volcanic activities. It'll be interesting anyways to see what happens. You know, like I said, I, I've never been more hopeful that I'm wrong about something ever. Uh, <laughs> but it will definitely be interesting to keep an eye on things uh, over the next few weeks uh, as, as we move through, move through July. And then uh, into August. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting. Like I said, there at one point, you know, at the beginning of the summer, I think there was like thirty vol- volcanoes erupting all at once, or something like that. So it's just it makes sense. The what you're talking about um, is that the case? I mean, who who really knows? It, it's right. it's it needs to be looked at more of this kind of stuff. Um, like you said, more from like a phenomena, uh, phenomenal, I can't even speak right now from a phenomenology <laughs> standpoint. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, I talk about that in my, in my YouTube video. I'm like, you know, this, there's all the, all the data is there, you know, just, it takes people to, I don't have the time for that, but it takes people, you know, a grad student somewhere who's like, you know, I need a PhD project, you know, that's, this is volcanism 101 go through the dates and every 20 years you're going to see a spike in mm-hmm. in volcanic activity as we're, as we're you know uh going through this and all these major major events like i, I mentioned earlier with uh, mount st helens you know that was a big time event um that happened right during one of these alignments and so and we can just keep going back and back uh, i kept coming across um tsunami data and things like that you know this if you have a tsunami you have major earthquakes uh and and every time i plugged in a date and just looked up earthquakes. I, it came back with with some catastrophic, you know. Do you think event. tsunami too is affected? So if there's like a full moon or um, something like that mixed with like the earthquake that causes the tsunami, that it makes it more intense or something along those lines? Yeah, I mean it's exactly what we're talking about. You know, that full moon is we have a now. I, I, I think it just gives it that extra push, okay. right? You know, like these volcanic eruptions are going to happen. They happen anyways. Earthquakes happen; they happen anyways. Um, but it's that little extra push of of that tectonic, you know, strain or pull uh, that can cause it to be just a little bit worse, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or or more of them. That's the thing. It's like you know how to. I don't know how to quantify it, you know. But right. now, what uh, about the? I wanted to ask about the Ring of Fire too. So uh, that's where like a, it's like an outline of from the Pacific to Indonesia and Asia and all the way up towards the Arctic. Um, is when you look at that, that whole area, is it because it's in the ocean and there's not really a lot of land mass? So maybe that's where the shelves are, you know, is that where all the stuff's happening? Is there a reason why that's there though? Like in that specific spot or? Yeah. Yeah. The Pacific plague is mostly oceanic crust. Uh, and oceanic crust is because it's like covered in ocean, uh, it's going to, it's actually thinner, but it's also much more dense than continental crust. Um, you know, if you look at continental crust, you kind of imagine it being the same amount of material, but because there's no ocean on it, it just kind of puffs up. Uh, mm-hmm. and if you actually, you know, if you just look at the slide there, you'll see some of those, uh, some of those volcanoes, you know, it's just, that's continental crust being pushed up. Uh, and, and actually what's happening, all of these volcanoes right here are, um, stratovolcanoes. And so, and just like all most of all of the ones that are around the Ring of Fire, which is actually a horseshoe shape. I don't know why. We yeah, call it's it not. A, it's, it doesn't even close. But yeah, you're right. It we'll is. talk to Johnny Cash about it. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, I'll, I'll let it slide. 
but anyways, um, almost all the way around the, the ring of fire, we have subduction zones. Uh, and that's where the continental crust is being pushed under continental crust. Did I, did I say that right? Yeah. Oceanic crust is being pushed under continental crust uh, at subduction zones. And as that, that oceanic crust is being pulled or, or pushed down into the crust, into the lithosphere, it's getting superheated because of the mantle. You know, the mantle's down there, so it's getting superheated. And that causes the w- – once you heat – uh, once you heat molten rock, it becomes less dense. And because it's less dense, it's going to start to rise. And so you take all this oceanic crust. Um, this is going to make it really, really um, soupy magma. It makes that, that or I'm sorry, it makes it very explosive magma yeah. uh, because you're also pulling down like ocean water. You're pulling down, you know, decayed sediment and things like that that have been on the bottom of the ocean for millions of years. And it's all being pulled down into the subduction zones with it. And as it gets superheated, it starts to rise. And, and you know, the more you have and the less dense it is, the faster it rises until eventually it reaches the surface and just blows its top. And so that's why all of these volcanoes are well, what we call stratovolcanoes or um, composite volcanoes. Uh, and they're very explosive. I mean, when they erupt, they just blow their top and yeah. they tons of ash and, and magma gets flung everywhere. Yeah, that's uh, but what, then you have there's spots. a few different types, right, of magma. I mean, like from what I did when I did the research for that super volcano episode, from what I understand, it's rhyolite is the explosive kind because there's silica um, mm-hmm. uh, mixed in there with the basalt and um, with the, the super runny stuff, like the Hawaii stuff, that's just basalt and something else i forget yeah and it has a lot to do with where that magma is being formed like you said that the rhyolite is is being formed underneath those subduction zones where you have all kinds of junk happening yeah uh, but where you have like just you know that that straight um oh and gases too that's what makes it explosive too. yeah well and that's what i mean like that ocean water that's being pulled under there that helps it, that makes it much more explosive right uh, but then when you have like splits in you know at divergent plates a divergent place where you have two plates that are moving away from each other like we find along the mid-continental ridge or the mid-atlantic ridge i'm sorry um that's going to form those really bas- basaltic um igneous rocks uh that that's it's very high in um uh silica i think yeah i think it's silica and it makes it really runny and it just kind of oozes out uh and it's not very explosive and so uh and that's going to form that really dark basaltic rock like what hawaii is made of you know mm-hmm. um, is this one more question and then we'll let you get out of here or we got one more slide i don't know if there's anything on it but uh, uh i think it's the thank you slide i think okay um, click it and let's see I, I can't remember what i put on here <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just uh, th- yeah. nice. Thank you, everyone. It's our call card. Check out. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll give him a shout out now. Check out um, uh, Chris's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash dabblers den, and uh, he's got a lot yeah, of good or- stuff on there. Carolina yeah. Bays, yeah. younger, younger dry us, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, uh, Maurice, I, I've been enjoying your uh, your hiking videos. Uh, nice. I can tell that. I could tell that you've been stuck inside for a while. You haven't put one out in, in a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, remind, go ahead. They remind me a lot of, of why I started the Dabbler's Den to begin with. You know, I did a lot of hiking with my daughter and things like that. That was the reason I started the Dabbler's Den. Uh, it, it had nothing to do with science content. It just kind of morphed into that. But, but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad I, you're I, enjoying those. I went out there. I just shot a bunch of film. I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. And then I came home and I go, I got a lot of. I had like yeah. 60 hours of footage. I was like, I got to do something with this uh, stuff. No, 
<laughs> there's probably places that you go to all the time that all the rest of us would find interesting so keep it up yeah. thanks man i appreciate it <laughs> what about Danny, what was your question? no just what's what, what's up with the old so we you know we did one on the super volcano that interests me i was always curious if that's even a possibility but what about the old myth with california and the uh, san andreas fault or you know the fault line cracking and california falling off is that even i mean that is near the ring of fire and subduction zones is that even yeah. a possibility or yeah it is it is because that that portion okay so that fault line san andreas fault line what's to the west of the fault line is on the pacific plate like that's actually a whole nother plate uh than what we find on the east side of that fault line uh so we have the north american plate and we have the pacific plate and because they're they're actually that's a transform plate boundary where they're sliding past one another uh, and that's why we have so many earthquakes that happen along the San Andreas fault line. Mm -hmm. Uh, but very, very slowly. And, and you mentioned this earlier, like one centimeter every, you know, so often yeah. I always, I always use the analogy of like your fingernails growing, you know, these plates move at about that constant yeah, it's like rate. One to four of, centimeters a year or something small, yeah, but it's not, it's not a constant rate. It's be, you know, when you have, when you're talking about rocks, moving past each other, it's not a, a smooth process. <laughs> you know, you've right. got huge, huge chunks of stone you know and they get hung up and then they release and when it happens we have these like big earthquakes and that's why the san andreas is so known for their big earthquakes but over time that 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 um you know very i guess western part of california that's part of the other crust uh or part of the other plate will slowly move to the north nothing that we need to be concerned with you know other than the fact that it is moving and we you know we definitely don't want to you know put all of our resources on top of it sure absolutely yeah I was, <laughs> but, uh, just, but, I was just curious i've never heard anything realistic on whether that's even a possibility it's just a lot of people same thing with yellowstone there's an earthquake people are like oh it's gonna blow and anytime there's an earthquake in california you see everybody tweet oh we, we're still here we didn't fall off in the ocean <laughs> no it will but i don't think it's going to be part of anything that we have to do with right now it's <laughs> we, we will never see it <laughs> well this was awesome. Thank you for coming back on. And uh, I assume if anything crazy happens, we'll definitely have you get back on as you know, in the future, um, check out, you know, Chris's, uh, YouTube channel. Again, I'll plug it one more time. Uh, dabblers den. And, uh, again, he's got a lot of great stuff, uh, similar to what we just talked about as well as other topics. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, not, no, no. I think we, we covered it all. Like I said, I, with everything that's going on on the planet today, it's kind of I've slowed down a lot with what I what I've been doing. Um, so it's actually good to get out and, and talk about it with you guys. So I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. You're, yeah. you're welcome on the show anytime. Um, and you're a wealth of knowledge with the stuff and you have a degree and you know what you're talking about. So that also helps the situation. Um, and it's fun to ask people questions that know what they're talking about. I mean, who doesn't? So. Right. Yeah, well, let me know as you get into the uh, part two of, uh, of Yellowstone if, if you need a hand with anything. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to be doing part two is going to be about a lot of the other super, lesser known super volcanoes. And then I was thinking somebody sent a message saying, you know, talk about like the, um, you know, the impact kind of on similar stuff like this, like does planetary alignments and uh, possible comet and asteroid impacts and those kinds of things affecting that as well. So maybe I will yeah. reach out to you to ask you a few things on hey, that. We're part of a cosmic ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. Take out better, of all of this. We better get it all in before the fourth. 
Yep. Watch <laughs> out. Shout out to uh, History Shift. Thank you for watching, yeah. bro. And uh, shout out to Brothers of the Serpent. Check them out. If you like this kind of stuff, this is a majority of uh, the, the topics that they talk about is similar to this. And um, check out our website, uh, mindescapepodcast.com. And you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com. Uh, slash mind escape podcast and for two dollars a month you will get exclusive content so and if you're watching this please subscribe give us a nice review we love everybody stay safe and uh, we'll catch you next time peace cheers